Welcome to Upholding Matters, a podcast devoted to talking about what matters. Now, I was raised to believe that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness were things that mattered. And certainly they are the unalienable rights that Jefferson wrote about in the Declaration of Independence. We will talk about how to uphold them, how they hold us up, and why that matters. Welcome to Upholding Matters. I'm your host, David Paul. You know, I've talked a lot about world unraveling dissociative disorder. That's my own name for the general malaise that I have felt since Donald Trump was elected president. And I've said before, there was always a willingness to give it a chance and hope for the best. And, of course, the reality is it's far worse than I ever imagined. I didn't think about the chipping away at the things that are really sacred. I came across a word, um, I'm thinking about spicing up the program by having a word of the day, but it's sinosure. And really, all that is is a person or a thing that's the center of attention or admiration. And of course, I would never imagine that there would be only one of those things. We should have several of those things. And in fact, I make the case that everything we do that's of value to us, we should put our best into and make it in a way sacred. The focus of our attention and the admiration that you're on a path that's proven to be successful. If you do these things repeatedly, there will be success. If you do the things that cause a lack of success, well, there's usually a lack of it. So for me, all my life, if I had to just pick one word, it would be truth. Because the truth is multifaceted, and yet it's Well, it's profound at a level that signals its validity. You can believe things that are false, that's true, and no matter how strongly you believe doesn't make false arguments true. It just means that real truth is something that satisfies you on many levels, intellectually, emotionally, morally, all the ways that you can consider it. And we should consider it. And certainly that matters, and that is the essence of upholding matters. Because these things that have to do with God and country are important. And there have been a few things of late that I'll use tonight to make the point that it's confusing. And someone should be able to make that case pretty easily. I was tempted for a moment to say that we're in a period of news where there are no earth-shattering or major things like the Helsinki summit and the like. But then I realized, well, no, there is a very big situation as well as other little ones that, that break at that fabric of faith in the higher power 
of even human decency. The Jamal Shikozi, a Saudi journalist who was murdered, I mean, he had a, you hear a lot of things. The thing that makes sense is he had his Apple watch on recording it the entire time as they're subduing him and snipping off his fingers. My God, it's really, well, it's it's graphic, but it's looks like some other, you know, spy movie you see. People really do treat other people that way for reasons that they think are more important than the harm they're doing to that person. I mean, my goodness, just kill them, but why do you have to torture them first? It, it's, it's, it's sadistic. It's, there's nothing you could say about it that makes it, oh, this guy really must have pissed him off, so, well, that's their custom. That's, that's a crock. Kashozi, Kashozi. I need to learn to say that better and remember it because it's a watershed moment. We are going to see if the United States will stand up for human rights and in particular whether Donald Trump will. Now, I'm not holding out hope on that, but it's something that it, it's going to pop back up tonight, I'm sure. The nightly shows, the daily show and uh, the late show with Colbert, they both mocked Pat Robertson adequately. I, I think he's an old Christian pastor, uh, activist, if you will, uh, what do they call that, the right something right, the religious right, forgive me, try and block out things that make no sense. It's the same patriarchy that is the Saudi way. And people just, it's one of those things, it's like all people think it's been that way forever. Well, coming up on a hundred years forever, but before that, it was some other person. And just like anywhere else in the world, it's not a criticism of a culture or a region. It's just how the dominance takes over. And that's what separates America. You know, we're a country of laws that give everybody equal rights. And that's not just lip service. So I really want to tell you a little story for flavor, uh, you know about my dog that died and my new dog, Steve, and he's working out well. And these are just some of the things that you go through in life that you wish hadn't happened and then you just move on. But I got him a new bed. He chewed up the old one a little bit. This is a huge round pillow. It has a removable cover that you can wash and my dog slept on it, and the cats had accidents on it when they were old and dying. And so it, it's been washed, and you know, it's been around, but it's huge. And Stephen, the new dog, he kind of chewed up the edges around it, some of the places, and it would you know, have to go. I kept it because, well, I thought we'd get another dog someday. 
and I really made it a choice. I thought that I might at first throw it in the grave with my dog and let him sleep on it forever. But then I thought, well, maybe we'll just keep it, but just get rid of it. That would have never happened. I would have buried the dog on it, even though it's like a Viking funeral. It's symbolic and it's very noble. I mean, something to aspire to, certainly. I hope my dog doesn't blame me. So today I replaced it. I got him a newer, tough material dog bed. It's kind of flat and he's not that big. And well, he's pretty big. So I had him laying on it for the first time the right way. And I'm trying to set up, this is some backstage stuff for the podcast tonight in my office. My recording studio enclosure has things like my electric guitar. So there poor Stephen is laying on his bed for the first time, the right angle. And it's not quite straight. And I tried to move my guitar out of the way that I'd taken out of my office. That's what was in the way of the new bed stretching out. And I set it aside and it was uneven and it fell over and I didn't notice it. And it hit my poor dog and it didn't even really scare him. But, you know, you don't want something like that falling on your dog, especially the first time he's laying where you hoped he would. So you regroup and these little things have an effect, just like all the other things and I guess that's what I'm driving at this show is to help me as as much as it is to help anybody I, I have to tell these stories it's really like a slow motion national crisis we're all going through and some of us really aren't aware of it it's it's like the climate change that was in the news this week and you know, Trump said that he does believe the climate's changing, but it could go back. And his uncle was a scientist, and there was a lot of press out of that. It just really, forgive me, but they're idiotic things to say. And they show no depth of understanding much of life. The one thing that I take away from it all is perhaps the presidency has too much power. I... You, you know, you study history and you have the Roman triumvirate and three guys will rule and all these kinds of power sharing have, have been done before. But our system of government is supposed to have Congress check the executive and the Republicans really aren't doing that. So that's why there's record voter turnout, I believe, ahead of the next midterm, which at this point is like 18 days away. Hallelujah. So as far as I'm concerned, the midterms can't come soon enough. Now, I did spend time today with a congressman, Steve Knight, 
He represents uh, really a few doors down because of the way this district is divided. The city I live in has two different representatives, and one is Steve Knight, and the other is, oh, what's that guy's name? Oh, Kevin McCarthy. Yeah. And I'm just kidding. He wants to be the Speaker of the House, and that's a very important position, and he's the whip now, or whatever they call it, the number two. You know, so he's somebody important who won a small lottery and opened a sandwich shop, I think. And now he's going to be the Speaker of the House. Well, that's that's good, if if it's how it should be. And the one thing I do commend him about, this is uh, way back. I Forgive me if I've spoken about this before. It's, it's so intriguing, but it was way back in the spring, and he was caught on an open mic speaking the truth to colleagues. And you wonder, don't you, do they ever just admit what the heck is really going on? And in this case, he did. He was talking about this congressman that's from another district down a bit, Dana Rohrbrocker. Forgive me for saying his name, but he's the one that Kevin McCarthy said on the hot mic that he's the only one other than Trump that he knows for sure is on the payroll of the Russians because he gets a lot of money from them. The good news is the Mueller report is set to drop, so the speculation goes. Who knows? No one knows for sure. You know, I want to go back to that. Robert Mueller, he's someone that we can uphold as a fair and honest arbitrator of this um, situation we're in. He's going to get to the truth, and... A lot of this stuff between Paul Manafort and uh, the other people from the Trump early presidential organization and business organization that have come forward to testify, you know, it's mainly it's a couple of things. It's the criminal conspiracies and it's the obstruction of justice. So... In my mind, what I've seen, it doesn't seem like there's a hard case to make for either. So a Congress made up of Democrats who will use their committees and their chairmanships to rein in the president or check him or however best it works. It, You know, I am tired of other than the wood the world unraveling dissociative disorder, I had to look up another term. You know, I have my own problems that health-wise that, and I don't sleep, and you know, there's, there's a lot of things, so I'm not making excuses or blaming one particular thing. It's just like the guitar falling on my dog. These things don't help, and some of them are unnecessary, and you regret them, and the dog's fine. I did say that, didn't I? But the constant barrage and drip, drip, drip of this stuff, I really want it to be over. And so this psychomotor retardation, that's a medical term 
for the fatigue and my limbs not moving and it's hard to walk, it's hard to breathe, it's just hard. And hope is a devastatingly important thing. We need it. We can never just say, well, it's lost, give up. No, even in the worst of it, it's up to us to find something to feel good about. So yeah, I dropped some names. I saw a congressman. This was at a thing called the Senior Expo they have here every year, and it's for seniors and services, and it's all pretty much the same thing, and a chance to meet up with a bunch of people he just saw yesterday in some other local situation. For being where we are, this is a pretty small community. As far as people in circles knowing each other, there's a vibrant senior community here. And my friend, Fran Saraceris, was the queen a couple of years ago. And I got to go there and root for her and watch her win. And it's really exciting. She was a great queen. Fran's the friend that I recently took some heat from because I was trying to make a contrast of how people are perceived and what they're actually able to achieve. And she's a go-getter. She's a commissioner on the Homeless Commission and active going to transit meetings and making sure the senior buses and the access for the disabled run on time. She's a dynamo, and you really wouldn't know it at first glance. And that was the point when I said and meant to say she appears as a sweet old lady and got into that scuffle, but Fran's my friend and it's all better. So I saw Fran as well at the expo along with Chuck Boswick. He's used to be an associate editor of the local newspaper. And then he went into working for the political person, Catherine Barger, who's a supervisor for the county. There's four people other than her. There's five total. And they have, they divide up the county. So, you know, three, two is a vote that you can win. Four, one, five, oh, you'd really like everybody from the different districts to cooperate about the good of Los Angeles County. But there are independent moves. And the one thing that's with this homeless coalition, you know, it's money that the county is going to get to spend to help solve the problem. And so the confusion I've been somewhat critical of and where's the money going? How's it accounted for? How's it even said it's being spent? And I, I did find some things in the county about people they put into housing but I'm talking, of course, about permanent housing. That's what I want to see people in, not a 60-day voucher to stay in a flea-ridden hotel. It's just, that's crazy. That's not being housed in a way that brings the permanence, or at least the perception of semi-permanence, that a person needs to go ahead and take care of all those other things, dentist appointment, haircut, you know, just, just life. But I must say, through all of it, I found a new, healthier perspective because 
I just what I was saying before, hope is necessary and progress is necessary. So at least I see the effort that these people and the agencies involved and I admit I'm still trying to get to understand who the players are and what their roles are and how it all works and I guess that's part of understanding life. But at least I recognize that there's progress and people are trying to make a difference. And on the national stage, there has been some progress as well, meaning that, well, let me tell you. When you consider that there are many people already pleaded guilty to crimes from the Trump administration and all these other excesses. There's a couple of them, and forgive me, I can't even... uh, There was a doctor and there was... Well, then there's Dr. Ben Carson, and he was the guy that wanted to buy the $31,000 table, and I thank Rachel Maddow for keeping this theme alive because it plays into a future event, which is that when somebody balked at this expenditure and these guys are allowed to spend like $5,000 to fix their office and this $31,000 table bid comes in and they said no, meaning the inspector general of the agency, the person that's supposed to say no, she was demoted or pushed aside and some other woman was put in who authorized it. So now this Brian Zinke, who takes heat for wearing the SEAL trident, and he was a Navy SEAL, but his departure was for excessive padding of his... uh, Accounts, his expense account. And, you know, that should give you some idea that perhaps this could again become an issue. And none of, I don't know if you can even say which one has been more excessive. Uh, Tom Price and, I, I, you know, the other guy's name will come to me in a minute, but um, taking all these crazy trips, chartering planes, going scuba diving in exotic locations, uh, nothing, and private jets, you know, nothing of it is, seems like it's, even dawns on them that it's not right. Which brings me quick to another local note, our Antelope Valley Hospital that I tried to help steer in a a better direction and I wasn't for the new CEO they had to bring in the fourth and four years and the other management company cost them a lot of money to break the contract and it's just been defeatist management for for a long long time but the new CEO put himself on the board through some fancy reworking of the way the hospital governance works gave away $200,000 to his CFO, Chief Financial Officer, as seed money for her foundation to help young women develop 
And that's great stuff, except that the hospital is losing money, laying off people, and there's the extravagance of these expenditures that should shock everyone, and I guess they thought it would shock no one. So you have Brian Zinke, the Interior Department, and all these investigations into his excesses, and what did they want to do? They wanted to fire the inspector general there and replace her with this same woman that came in and authorized the $31,000 dinette set for Ben Carson. And the League of Inspector Generals all over the country came in and said, no, no, this is, this is nonsense. It will not stand. So they backed off and the investigations will continue. So that's the piece of good news. And now the one that we've talked about this before, the Trump Hotel. He won the contract to refurbish the old post office right in the heart of Washington, D.C. on Pennsylvania Avenue. And it's a big, huge, old, beautiful building. And he rehabbed it and turned it into a hotel. And People, this is when the Saudis stay there, and there's a lot of money that comes in there to his personal finances that he's never laid off of. So there was a scandal with the FBI building, which was kind of kitty corner across the street, and they had made contracts with the developer because it wasn't worth saving, and they made a deal with the developer to help them build a new place, and he would turn that property into a luxury hotel and other shops, and it would compete with the Trump Hotel. So at a basic economic level, it's kind of like the town I live in. There is not enough hotel space. People want to come to town for conventions or soccer tournaments or whatever they're here for, and there aren't enough rooms. And this is the same thing with downtown Washington, D.C. So, but... All of a sudden, that all got shaken up, and they claimed that Trump had nothing to do with it. And now they actually have emails recovered and a picture of this woman who lied to Congress about Trump having no involvement with killing the deal to avoid a competitor being next to him. So here you have a true smoking gun, pictures emails, the whole thing laid out. It was a lie. It was a cover-up. And the midterms will bring upon a Mueller time. Thank goodness. (laughs) 